0: I need you to do something. I think almost everyone that's here in the room, um, I think that most of you are are servants. How many would would say, Yeah, I I like to serve the Lord, I like to serve people. Let's just see your hands. And so uh, what happens a lot of times is we are so used to we're in servant mode, we're in in do mode, which is good because things need to to happen and be done, that sometimes we forget to stop and just like sit at the banquet table of of Jesus and eat. And I want you to to partake of Jesus today. I want you to rest. I don't want you to think about anything else going on. Uh, Nothing else is more important than this moment right now for you in the room and those of you on Facebook. Thank you for joining us today. I, I want you to just feast on Jesus. A lot of us give, give, give a lot of our time, a lot of our attention, a lot of our energy to worthy things. They're worthy things, right? Um, but if we don't stop and partake of the table that he has prepared for us, then, then uh, we'll go on empty. And I don't want you to do that. And I know that because almost everyone in the church serves in some way or they have a business or they serve, they have kids, like it's easy for us to stop and think, okay, this is also for me. Would y'all say that, that this is also for me? Like Jesus is also for me. Like he has prepared a banquet for me. And uh, if you want to go ahead and open your Bibles to uh, Mark chapter five, we're going to go there in a moment, but I want to talk about Jesus, the most admirable person ever. How many would think that Jesus is the most admirable person ever? It's hard to say for, for some reason. He's the most worthy of admiration. Jesus is. How many think that's true? True. All right, y'all gonna, like. Yeah, you can sit and relax, but you got to help out a little bit, okay? Just, you just you know, have a pulse. All right, um, Jesus is worthy of our admiration. He's worthy of our attention. He's worthy of the lives that we live, the the service that we perform to Him. He's worth it. He deserves it, right? As a matter of fact, the Bible says that there's no one like him, and it's so true that they gave him a name that's different than every other name that's ever been given to anyone. They gave him the best name ever. They gave him a name that, at his name, Jesus, Yeshua, come on, the, the Lamb of God, at his name, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that he is the Lord. He's the most admirable person ever. He's the best. He's the best. Around. Come on. Yeah. Sing it. Yeah. yeah. Y'all go on. He is the best. There, there is no one like him. There's no one beside him. Yeah. There's nothing more worthy of our time and our attention. And so I was sort of thinking about it. Like what makes Jesus admirable? Like, why do we like almost every major religion of the world even says that Jesus is deserving of admiration in some way. They get it wrong in a lot of ways, but every major religion of the world will say, he was a really nice, good guy, right? He's he's probably the best guy we'll ever see. Well, what made him the best? Well, he was loving. Everyone say he was loving. Everywhere he went, he showed love, right? He was joyful. The Bible said that he was anointed with the oil of joy more than all of his companions, so he was the happiest person around. He was gentle, he was gentle, but he was also powerful. Like, If you're going to be worthy of admiration, you better also be powerful. You better not be weak. And Jesus was not weak. I mean, he flipped the tables over and things got turned upside down in his father's house, right? Like, hey, you've, you've made this a den of thieves. This is supposed to be a house of prayer for all nations. And you've, you've changed what this house's purpose is, and I'm going to flip the tables over on you. So Jesus was also fierce, He deserves our admiration because he was fierce. He was meek. Now, meekness doesn't mean weakness, right? I mean, we heard that said so many times. Like, meekness doesn't mean that you're weak. Meek is you have the authority and the power to act, but you choose to sheathe your sword. You could kill someone, but because you're a person of authority and a person of meekness, you put the sword away and let them live for another day. That's meekness. He could have called a thousand angels to rescue him from the cross, but he sheathed the sword of his authority. He was peaceful. People like to be around Jesus because when Jesus would come into a room, peace would come into the room because he is peace. The Bible even says he's the prince of peace. So when he walks into a room, everyone's like, oh, Jesus was so peaceful. Um, He was fun. Jesus was fun to be around. The little kids wanted to hang out with Jesus. The best judges of character are kids. Yeah. Like they have a meter and they can tell whether someone is worthy or not. And when Jesus came around, the kids just wanted to sit at His feet. Whoo! Yeah, he was trustworthy. Everyone say trustworthy. Was trustworthy. When Jesus told them something, He did what He said He would do. He yeah. was humble. He wasn't arrogant. Yeah. He was good. Everyone say he was good. good. Oh man, he was patient. I think Jesus was very patient, right? All of these things made him admirable, right? He was self-controlled. Everyone say (laughs) self-controlled. He had many opportunities to lose it and he chose not to. So all of these, there's many more, but all of these traits, these characteristics of Jesus, he saw from his father. And he demonstrated them, and he did them in such a fashion that made him the most admirable person ever. Now, let me ask you a question Do you know anyone who's loving? Do you know anyone who's joyful? I know some people that are just happy all the time. They're gentle, they're meek, they're peaceful, they're humble. They're good, trustworthy. And I would even like to say that I'm some of these things, wouldn't you? Like, hey, I'm some of those things. I mean, I'd be all of those things, but I'm some of them. But when I compare my gentleness to Jesus's, yeah, I don't really add up. When I compare my goodness or my patience to Jesus's, like I may be somewhat whatever the thing is. Let's not use patience because that's not me. Um, yeah. let's, let's try a gentle. <laughs> if we're gentle, if we're kind, we're not kind in comparison to Jesus, which means he's the most admirable. Like you may know someone who deserves admiration, And you may love someone because they're gentle. You may think, I just love being around that person because they're kind, they're gentle, they're peaceful. But they're not when it comes to Jesus. They're not the most. And that's because he's the only one that deserves all admiration. And and the reason is, is because he's also three other things that none of us are. He's righteous in every way. Now we know we're the righteousness of God, but only when we're in Christ Jesus. (laughs) So he's the only one that's righteous. He's the only one who's holy. Now he said, be holy as I am holy, which means we follow his example, but on our own, we're not holy, which means he's the most holy. He's the most righteous. And then the last one, none of us can lay any claims to this one. He's sinless. He did not one time miss the mark. Now, we think of sin as disobedience and being you know, unruly and evil and whatever it is. But sin, broken down, means to miss the mark, to miss the aim. And not one time in Jesus' life did he miss the mark. And he is the sinless, perfect lamb of God. So although we may try to, to be some of these things and we may get a grasp on some of them, next to Jesus, we're not the same. And I don't say that to make us feel bad about ourselves. I say that to lift Jesus up because he's the standard. He's the most admirable person that's ever been created. He deserves our worship and praise. You're like, well, what does this have to do with me eating at the banquet table of Jesus? Well, we're getting there, all right? What makes Jesus the most admirable person? In John chapter five, you don't have to go there. If you don't want to, I'll read it. But it's John chapter five, 19 and 20. And then in John 12, verse 49, there are two very specific things that causes Jesus to rise above everyone else. And this is it. Then Jesus answered and said, John five nineteen and 20, most assuredly I say to you, the son of man does nothing of himself, yeah. but only what he sees the father do. And then he does that the Son also does the same things the Father does. In other words, I only do, Jesus said this, y'all, y'all may look at me and think that I'm the most admirable, the most amazing, but I only do these things because I see my Father do these things. And when I see the Father do them, I do them, which makes you admire me, but I want you to realize that the admiration goes to the Father. Yeah. Let's keep going. Then, in John 12, he says, John 12, verse 49. I have not spoken from my own authority. This is Jesus. Come on. And he said, I didn't speak from my own authority, from my own wisdom, from my own counsel, but the Father who sent me gave me a command. Everyone say, God gave, command. God gave him a command. And this was the command. He told me what I should say and what I should speak. So what makes Jesus admirable? He only does what he sees the Father doing He only says what he hears the father saying. That is what makes him the best. Because he imitates his father. Everyone say imitates. Imitates. Now, we think that imitation is a negative word. Like, oh, that's an an imitation Oreo. Who wants an imitation Oreo? Not me. Give me the real Oreos. You can tell me they're the same. They're not. They're not the same, right? You can go all down the list. We've got our favorite. I don't know why Oreos came to mind. I guess I I I saw them in the store and and my heart leapt a little bit. Um, Yeah, imitation sounds like a bad thing, but it's really not because Jesus imitated his father. I see father do something. I just do what he's doing. I hear the father say something. I just say what he says. And it's it's now for us to imitate Jesus, right? So I'm going to go to Mark chapter five and, and just walk through a story. And then we're going to minister to everyone in the room. You're going to get ministered to today. Um, Our altar time, we're going to call everyone to the front, and Jesus is going to meet your very specific needs today, whatever they are. All right, I I just feel this so strongly. So Mark chapter five, and we're going to start with verse twenty-one. Mark chapter five, verse twenty-one. It says, now when Jesus crossed over again by a boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered around him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, and his name was Jairus. And when he saw him, he fell at Jesus' feet. And he begged him earnestly, saying, my little daughter lies at the point of death. What was going on with the little girl? She was about to die, right? She wasn't dead, but she was about to die, and they knew it. And he says, come lay your hands on her that she may be healed and that she will live. So Jesus went with him. Jesus is like, okay, I'm going with you. So where's Jesus going? To Jairus's house. Why? To heal a little girl who's sick. Okay. So Jesus goes with him, and the whole multitude follows. Like, I, pro- I would have been the same thing. I'm like, no, you're not. No, I'm going to see this. I'm going with you. I'm following you everywhere you go, right? So the multitude followed him, and they followed him so closely that it says they thronged or they pressed against him as he walked. Like, it was, a, it was like a, a, just a crowd of people that, like, like they, led, <laughs> they led the parade. Jesus was just in the middle of it falling, right? And now a certain woman, so while the crowd is, what's the crowd doing? They're pressing against Jesus, right? Jesus is being pressed and touched from every side. All right? Watch the story. And now a certain woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years. How long? 12 years. That, that is a terrible place to live for this lady. For 12 years. And it says not only that, she suffered many things from many physicians. So not only was she suffering, listen to this. Oh. I'm sorry, I never saw this before. Not only was she suffering, but then the treatment that the physicians treated her with caused her suffering more, caused her more pain. They were just trying things they didn't know, and it made her suffering worse. And that, not only that, she spent all of her money and everything she had to get well. And she was only in more pain, more suffering, and she was not better, and she actually grew worse. Now where was Jesus going? He was going to Jairus' house to pray for a little girl who was what? She was sick, almost dead, but not dead yet, but almost dead. And Jesus is walking with the crowd, and there's so many people pressing against him. They're touching against him, and there's this lady who begins to press her way, and this is what she said to herself. When she heard about Jesus, she knew he was admirable. She knew he was worthy. When she heard about Jesus, she came from behind him in the crowd, and she reached out, and what did she do? She touched the hem of his garment because she said in herself, in her mind, if I can only touch his clothes, if I can just at least touch his clothes, I'll be made well. And immediately, oh, I love this. Listen to this. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up instantly, 12 years of pain 12 years of doctors trying things that made it worse, all gone in one second because she believed that Jesus could heal her and that she didn't even need him to look at her. She didn't even need him to stop whatever he was doing. She just needed to touch his clothes and she would be made well. And it happened immediately because of her faith. Hmm. She felt in her body that she was healed from the affliction. And Jesus... Come on, because he's the most admirable person ever. I'm going to show you why. He immediately knew within himself that power had gone out from him, and he turned to the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? What a ridiculous question. <laughs> and they answered him, like, with a ridiculous answer, like, what are, you, are you kidding me? Yeah. Everybody's touching you. Everybody. There's no one here That's everyone's trying to get close to touch you. And his disciples said to him, you see the multitudes, they all are touching you. And he goes, no, who touched me? That word touched, it's a really interesting word, all right? (laughs) Yes, it means to touch, to physically touch. But it also means to be fastened to. (sighs) And then it means to fasten fire to a thing or to set it on fire and it's the same word used when it says no one lights a candle and puts it under a bushel, but they put it on a lampstand. The same word is used. It's the same. It's a Greek word, and I don't know how to say it, but I'm going to try. Haptomi, And it means to be set on fire. And Jesus turned and said to the crowd, who set my heart on fire? who touched me and set my heart on fire so that virtue left my body. And I want you to know that Jesus wants to, you to know that your faith touches him, it sets his heart on fire, and it brings him to a place of attention toward you. Jesus attends to the things that deserve his attention, and her faith deserved his attention. Her touch was different than everyone else's in the crowd because she purposed in her heart. She had faith, and she made a declaration, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. And she acted upon her faith. Faith is useless unless it's acted upon. And she acted upon it, and she pressed through the crowd. And she probably offended a lot of people pressing herself through the crowd. She was unclean. And she pressed herself through the crowd, and she was restored and healed. And Jesus said, who touched me, verse 31 and verse 32. He looked around to see who had done this thing, who had set his heart on fire. But the woman who was afraid, she was trembling, knowing what happened to her. She came and fell down before him and told him the whole story. She told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, oh, daughter. I I love what he sees the father do it. So he does it. He hears the father say it, so he says it. What did he say to this woman? You're a daughter of the father. You're a daughter. Whew. Daughter, your faith has made you well. It's the word sozo saved, healed, delivered. Your faith has made you whole, well. Then he tells her, Go in peace and be healed from your affliction. Now, where was Jesus going? Jairus' house. And Jairus had a daughter who was on the edge of dying and Jesus got stopped on his way. Yeah. <laughs> and so while he was speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house, from Jairus, and they, and they told him, your daughter is dead. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Don't trouble the teacher anymore. Yeah. And as soon as Jesus heard The words that were spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid. Only believe. Say only believe. believe. This is all about faith. And he permitted no one to follow him. All right, crowd, you stay here. Number one, because there was unbelief. So not, this had moved past, she's sick and she could be made better too. Now she's dead. And she's dead because, in their opinion, Jesus stopped on his way. To do something else, so Jesus said, "Y'all stay here." He permitted no one to go with him except for Peter, James, and John. He entered the house of Jairus, and he saw the uh, the, the turmoil, the tumult, and those that were weeping and wailing out loud. They were mourning. We don't understand the culture. Uh, we had some some um, evangelists. Uh, missionaries over our house a few weeks ago and they have been missionaries in Turkey for 17 years and they're actually in the original city of Ephesus and they have three churches that they oversee there and they were saying that the culture it's the old culture they're very emotional when, when someone dies, when there's pain, when they're suffering, they wail and they weep and they make a giant production out of it. And the, the men are very affectionate with each other. They kiss each other on the cheek. They hug. They're very like very different from our call. Like, hey, you stay over there, bro, here. Give me a day. They're not like, they're very open. They feel their emotions. And Jesus walked into this place where everyone there was feeling the full elephant of their emotions, right? Like the big emotions were all coming out and they were wailing and crying. And Jesus came in and says, what is this commotion? Why are y'all weeping and wailing and throwing a fit? The child is not dead. She's just asleep. And they started ridiculing him. Like, this guy doesn't know anything. But when he had put them all outside, he's like, all you with no faith, outside. (laughs) Right? You go outside. He put them outside and he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and he entered where the child was lying. And then he took the child by the hand and he spoke in Aramaic. He spoke his native language, which was just intimate. It was an intimate thing. And Jesus spoke over her, Talitha Kumai. And it's translated, it means little girl, I say to you, arise. Come on. Hmm. And immediately, the girl who was sick, who is now dead, is alive. She arose and she walked. She was 12 years old. How, how many years had the woman been bleeding? It's just, stuff's in there for a reason. I don't know why, but it's just interesting that the number 12's there. She was 12 years of age, and they were overcome So they were weeping and they were wailing and they were falling over each other crying and now that has been turned to joy. Those who sow in tears reap in joy and they were in amazement because Jesus is the worthy one. He deserves admiration and worship and praise and he told them, hey, don't tell anyone, which I think Jesus does that sometimes to stir up their, I have to tell somebody, I, I, I gotta tell somebody, like I have to and so what's the point of all of this? Jesus is the most admirable because he only does what he sees his father doing. He imitates his father and then he parrots. He only says what he hears the father saying. He pays attention because the father pays attention. This is where I wanted to end up today. The two things that you need to know, you personally, you in this room right now need to know is that God pays attention to you. He pays attention. You may feel like you're just one of a thousand people pressing in on Jesus, but if you will allow your faith to create a declaration inside of you, you will have the very thing that you ask for because he will feel your faith and your faith will gain his attention and set his heart on fire. Amen. He pays attention. The Bible even says that Jesus says, look at the, look at the sparrows, look at the birds, look at Not one of them falls to the ground without the Father noticing, without the Father paying attention to them. And aren't you worth? Come on, say, am I not worth more than a bird? He pays attention. Everyone say, he pays attention. attention. He sees you. He knows you. He notices you. He can read your facial expressions. He can tell when something hurts your heart and your face is trying to hide it. No one else may know. He knows. he knows. He knows when you're driving down the street and a prayer rises up in your heart that you're even afraid to pray out loud, but he hears it. Yeah. He knows when you're wounded. He knows when you're sick. He knows when there's when, when you have a dream that found a place in your heart that shouldn't have found a place in your heart. How many of you have ever had... A, I don't don't know why that came to mind, but I'm gonna say you had a dream and the dream was not true, but there was something in the dream that you, it was a lie sewn into that dream that you bought into. He knows and he wants to come and cut the lie from your life. He pays attention. The Bible even says he sings over us while we sleep. He watches over us. He pays close attention to us. He attends to the things he's focused on. Hmm. He's about his father's business. He was sent on a task, and he never gets off task. He stays on task, why? Because all, his task is simple to him. I don't have to do anything, but whatever I see him do. It's really, really simple. I just watch the father, and if he moves, I move. If he speaks, I speak. He's boiled it down to simplicity. And he's saying that's available to us as well, but he mirrored it. He showed it to us. He imitated it so that we have an example. What else makes him amazing and admirable? Just like the father, he speaks magical words. Everyone say he speaks magical words. (laughs) Why are they magical? Because they're what the Father said. And how many in this room, you need magical words from Jesus spoken over your life? There's something that's dead. There's something that's painful. There's a problem that's unresolved. And you just need Jesus to come and say, like he said to the little girl, Talitha Kumai, wake up. Awaken from your sleep. Arise from, you're not dead. Arise, arise. Kumai, arise, arise. Arise. He wants to speak him. When he speaks, you come alive, right? Come on. That's why he's the best. Because when he says stuff, it happens. What manner of man is this, that the winds and the waves obey him? Who is this man who can speak to a fig tree and curse it and then also speak to it and it produce fruit? Who is this guy? He's the, he's the exact representation of the Father. If you've seen me, Jesus said, then you've seen the Father. Why is this so important? because we've got daddy issues. And we think that if I don't pay attention, it won't get resolved. If I don't fight this thing, it's not gonna happen. Jesus wants you to know, come on. (laughs) He pays attention, because the Father pays attention. When he speaks, he sends healing and deliverance and he sets free. He creates whatever's in the Father's heart by saying it out loud. He imitates the Father. So when when we and this is this is this will happen soon. You'll begin to see this revolutionized. The world, you'll see more souls saved the rest of your life than that's ever happened before. I'm telling you, because people are okay with Jesus, but they have a problem with the Father, the the God of the Old Testament, or that that they have a real problem. But they don't realize that all of it makes up the picture of God's face. You can't take out parts of it and see his face clearly. You have to take all of it into consideration. And Jesus came and he demonstrated it. He imitated the father so that people could once and for all settle their daddy issues. I've used this example a lot of times. But when his disciples came and they said, hey, we see you do all these miracles, but will you teach us how to pray? And he's like, okay, here's how you pray. First, you have to say, daddy God, our father. Like this wasn't their culture. That was the other thing this, these missionaries told us that fathers are distant, cold, and absent in that culture. They're far away. They're not present. They're not active in their lives. They feel like they're not paying attention. They feel like their job is to provide and to bring discipline, but not to be close and to be near and pay attention and to speak magical words. But, but Jesus came to say, yeah, my father can do all these things. He can provide. He can bring discipline. He can make war with your enemies. But then he can also pay attention when you just touch his robe. He's both so I just want to close out. I have more to this. We'll do another time. But for altar, would you go ahead and stand? We're going to pray. <clears throat> Jesus, we ask that you would show us a father today. Hmm. Don't tune out right now because this is the most important part. This is where we put it into practice and we receive from him. This is where you sit at the banquet table and receive what he has for you. All right? Here's my question to you. What in your world right now needs his attention? Think about it. What are you living in right now that you need God to shine his light of attention on? What answers do you need? Number two, what magical words do you need him to speak over your life? What needs his attention and what needs his words? I want you to pick something Specific, And I want you to come to the front and I want you to receive it from him. Find something and and then come to the front. All right, come on. This is how we're going to close out. He's going to give his attention to you. He's going to give answers. We're going to begin to pray for each other as well. But Jesus is here to provide whatever you need today. He's here to answer your prayer. He's here because you've set his heart on fire. You've touched him. The Bible says he's touched by the feelings of our infirmities. He cares. It matters to him. If it matters to us, it matters to him. What needs his attention today? What needs his magical words? God, we ask that you would turn your attention toward us right now. I ask that every one of these would receive your attention. You pray. You talk to the Lord. You know what the biggest issue in your life is right now. You know what the biggest concern you have is. Hmm. (laughs) Jesus, you're so worthy. (laughs) You're amazing, Jesus. You're amazing, Jesus. We ask that you will come right now and meet our needs. Breakthrough, breakthrough in Jesus' name. Breakthrough, 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 breakthrough. Break Now make a declaration. Make a declaration of faith. Father, I need you. I need your attention in this thing. Come on, ask him. (laughs) Yes. Name it. If it's finances, if it's pain in your body. Father, I need your attention in this area. I need your attention in my heart. There's a wound in my heart. There's an arrow that's stuck. God, we ask that you remove those right now. If something's dead. If something's dying in your life. We need the magical words of Jesus. We speak kumai. Arise. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. <sighs> Father, send your word right now. You said you sent your word and healed us of our disease. If you've been carrying around a sickness in your body and you just deal with it and live with it, I've got a couple of those things that I just live with and I deal with it and I'm just tired of it. Jesus, I ask that you would send your word and heal me. I receive your magical healing words, Jesus. Be well. Your faith has made you whole. Daughter, son, your faith has made you whole. Whew. Jesus, you take good care. <laughs> you take good care of us. You're so good, Father. We love you. Come on, yeah? (laughs) If you're ready to pray for someone, pray for someone close to you. Ask them what that thing is. We gotta put a target on it. What's the thing? And they come to agreement. All right, come into agreement. There's power in our prayer. There's power in our prayer. When we agree, when two or three agree on anything and it's from heaven, we get what we ask for. Father, what, is, what do you wanna do in this situation? Let's ask him. Father, what would you like to do in this situation? What would you like to do in this situation of my life? What would you like to say? What would you wanna say right now over my life? Father, send your word. Yeah, come on, declare the word. The word of the Lord. The word of the Lord brings life, it brings healing, it brings wholeness. Come on, yeah. Find someone, pray for someone. Yep, Whew, thank you, thank you, thank you. Find someone to pray for him in Jesus, your faith has made you well. Faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well in Jesus' name. He cares, he cares, he cares. Not one sparrow falls to the ground without him seeing. Whew. I can't even count the ones that are in my lawn. He keeps track of all of them. He keeps track of all of them. How much more worthy are we of his attention than the sparrow? Jesus, you take good care. You take good care of us. Breakthrough, 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 breakthrough. Supernatural answers, come on. Someone has just a... You have a riddle in your life. Like it literally feels like a riddle. You're like, man, every time I, I try to fix this, I try to turn this thing around, it just doesn't, it feels like it gets messier. Jesus, send the, the words that solve the riddle today in Jesus' name. Whew. Untangle the riddle of the life right now in Jesus' name. Yeah. You know, on Facebook, if you're sick, be well in Jesus' name. Be well in Jesus' name. Be well, never again to be sick in Jesus' name. Be well from this affliction in Jesus' name. Hmm. We break generational curses, things that we accept. We just accept them because, like, well, it was in our family line. And no, you brought us into the family of God. We have a whole new family. And we break the generational things that just show up alter the soil of our ground of our heart right now that f- different fruit would grow in Jesus name come on Whew. He's in us for us, it's for us, it's for us, it's for us.